Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. Today, I mean, I was I was thinking today I should continue a little bit with about the the feasts of Israel, and it's so interesting. I just my, uh, my wife said, "Hey, come listen to this." She didn't know what I was going to mention in my message today, and someone was sharing about that today. It, it seems like God's bringing this stuff back up just so we'll be able to acknowledge the goodness that's in it and bring it into our lives, right? The goodness that's in the Old Testament stuff and how it applies to our life today in the New Covenant, right? And so um, I want to just give a a little bit of an introduction. Just I'm just going to talk about this for who knows how long, but I, do, I, didn't, I don't mean it to be the whole message today. But you remember last week I said the month of Tishri started which is the seventh month in the religious calendar. There's two calendars in the, in the Old Testament, a religious calendar and Hebrew calendar. But it's the first month in the, um, in, in the civil calendar. So it's the month that most people recognize as the beginning of the year. That's Tishri 1. That was Sunday evening. Their days start in the evening time. Sunday evening last week was Tishri 1. And guess what? That's also the Feast of Trumpets. Okay, so we learned about that a little bit. What happens at the Feast of Trumpets? Trumpets are blown that day and um, throughout the land. And what's, what's happening through those trumpets? They are simply giving you a reminder. It's like your alarm, alarm clock when you wake up. Mink, 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 right? You go, oh, I got to get up. Well, the trumpets is a much greater alarm than that. When you hear those trumpets sounding throughout the land, it's like, wow, it's a special day. And you are alerted to what's happening that day. What's going on? The Day of Atonement is coming up in 10 days. What's the Day of Atonement? It's the day when they would all go before God, so to speak, or, the, or rather, let me, I didn't say that right. It's where the priest would bring all the people, so to speak, before the Lord in his duties and make atonement for all the people. So that was only done once a year, right? And, and that, that, of course, speaks to something that was going to happen later. But there's so many truths in that. And, and when that happened, people believed that there was a season or a, a, a time of God judging, meaning looking down and recognizing where is everybody? You know, where are you? So, so if you're living in that hour... You would, you would be thinking, oh, the day of judgment is coming up. In that day, God's going to see where I am. Have I been faithfully serving Him? Have, is my heart sincere? Do I need to be rebuked? Do I need to be chastened? Or is it a time for promotion, right? You see, I think that's a neat thing because they're going, and they would begin to examine their hearts, where am I? And it became a season of repentance. God, I've, I've not been doing this right. They're looking back. God, this area of my life's not messed up. It is messed up. I need to get this right. It's, it was a time of consecration. God, I devote myself even more to serving you, to living for you. And it was also a time of charity. So they would try to, uh, to, to think about other people that had needs that week because they're consecrating themselves to the Lord. So they're giving effort to want to do things like this. Every once in a while, I'll tell somebody in counseling, you need to just think, uh, you know, put aside some money and just look for somebody that you feel has a need. Look for somebody 
that you feel like you can bless because when you do that, you are, do, you are connecting to the heart of God in a really, really precious way. And you making an attempt to do that and beginning to do that will actually change you. Something will happen on the inside of you, right? So when these Jews were, were going through repentance those 10 days, but which we call the 10 days of all, which by the way, what are we in the now? The sixth day, something like that, or seventh day? Excuse, or seventh or eighth day. So, um, so during those days, they were giving attention to these things. Not the, the goal isn't just to do it religiously, right? But to do it in a way that they're, they're changing. And I will tell you, if you, from your heart, take a season, which I think this is a wonderful season to do it, since that's the season even from the Old Testament, you can take a season where you spend time before the Lord. God, I want my life cleaned up. God, I want to go forward with you. I devote myself afresh to you. And you even think, God, I want to, this week, show me who I can give to. Show me somebody that has a need, a, a charitable thing that I can do and really connect to in my heart. And I want to do it, God, from my heart. And I want this week to change me, right? So anyway, the Day of Atonement this year is going to end up being, I believe, Tuesday, the coming week, which would be, I guess, Tishri 10, and it'd be October, uh, whatever it is, 7th or whatever. Is that right? Or 4th. Okay, October 4th. All right. So so that's that day. Now, you might want to think, how can, we, uh, how can we apply this today, right? How can, how can we apply all that was in the Old Testament, because that stuff is for our training. Remember that? The Bible says the Old Testament was for our, our training. It was examples for us. It was to teach us things that we can apply in the new. And I'll just mention a few things here. First of all, one thing that we ought to be able to bring from this is to remember, remember, Christ is our atonement today. We don't do it every year like they did. Christ did it once for all. But guess what? He wants us to do it regularly. He wants us to remember him regularly that he's atoned for us. You know, um, it's so hard to know how to do this, all this online stuff, right? Uh, somehow we need to begin to, I was thinking about this, we need to begin to uh, do communion. So I just want to just tell everybody and uh, please remind me, next week we'll do communion, right? So uh, when you come next week, you make sure, um, you know, you have some kind of grape juice. If you forget, you can, I mean, God understands. Uh, he can, you can use water. I'm just telling you, I think it'd be better to use grape juice. But anyway, uh, get something and get a little bread and you can bring it next week. If you're coming here to the house, uh, one great benefit is you don't have to bring your grape juice. <laughs> All right, or your, or your bread. But we'll do that next week. But there's a thing about remembering remembering, remembering. And why should we remember? Because we want to be thankful. Jesus Christ has died for us. There's no way we could have ever been forgiven without that. Amen? Amen? And there's something else that I think is so great about that Day of Atonement. It, took a, it, it brought a time of self-examination. Now, I don't think we ought to be introspective and we ought not to walk like around this all the time. I do try every day I had to walk like this where I'm dealing with stuff that God's dealing with me, where I want to consecrate myself to the Lord regularly. 
Most of the time, I'm, I say, God, I'm yours all over again today. Lord, help me, God, to be detached from things that pull me away from you, right? But anyway, this is a season of it. I think it's really good for that. And um, I think it's, you remember how I was saying that they looked at like that day, God looked on that day and would say, hmm, this individual needs to be chastened. <laughs> and this individual, he's ready for promotion this year. So I think it's interesting. They, they looked at it at a particular day, but we can take it as this time and say, you know what? God still judges in that way. Did y'all know that? God still looks at us. Now, all of us get chastened. I mean, the Bible says that, right? He chastens us for our good that we might share in His holiness, right? So if you're a child of God, you're going to be chastened. Amen? Amen. How many of you know God's chastened you before? And how many of you can say sometimes it's painful, right? And I can tell you that if you're hard-headed, and you keep doing things your way, if you're a child of God, there's going to be some serious chastening, right? If you're a good parent, you realize you have a child that's hard-headed, you might be very pained about it. But you might recognize, I have to up my chastening a little bit to be able to help that child turn. It's the same way with God. God, if you want to use this way of looking at it, looks down, so to speak and recognizes, you know what, that individual is going in the wrong direction, beginning to make wrong decisions. Uh, and so God will allow there to be chastening to help us to get back on course. Now, I'm not saying chastening is what every single individual needs. Sometimes there's other things that go in there. Sometimes there's wounds and a bunch of other stuff that God needs to heal. But I'm referring right now to this aspect of chastening. Likewise, God looks down. If you, again, using that verbiage, God looks down and rewards when? In due season. Think about that due season. So it's like sometimes God goes, oh, it's time. That person has ripened, is producing fruit, is in a good place. I have that what they've been through has brought them exactly to where I wanted them to be. They've walked with me. They've endured whatever. And there's a time of blessing and fruitfulness that comes. We need to remember that. And Paul even says, remind yourselves of this. What you reap, you're going to sow. Amen. You're going to get back from what you have given. It's coming back to you. Amen. Multiplied. Praise God. So those of us, we've sown unto God, we're going to get back from God. Now, I would just say this. Sometimes you sow and you get back quickly. Sometimes you sow and it takes a long time for you to reap back from what you've sown. <clears throat> I think it's so interesting when new believers begin tithing. I've just seen so many of them go, wow, it's amazing, Right? And as you're older in the Lord, it seems like there are other things where God's like, now, I'm not always going to do it just so quick. I'm going to do it in such a way you're going to have to trust me and believe me as you're walking through this thing, right? So sometimes you sow and then you keep sowing and you keep sowing. And that's exactly what Paul and even in the Old Testament, 
It's talking about keep sowing. Don't stop sowing good. Don't stop doing right. Don't stop pressing in. Don't stop being faithful. Don't stop praying. Don't stop spending your time with God. Don't slack off going, oh, I'm not getting any results. Oh, I'm not going anywhere. Too many people stop before God gives the blessing, before they've ripened to the right place and they end up having a bad testimony because they didn't walk it through and never received from the things that they had sown. Do not be deceived. You will reap if you do not give up. Amen? And we are not those who give up, but those who persevere and those who keep on going because we know at the right time in due season, we shall reap. Praise God. Too many times we're like those disciples who are going, oh, did I mess up? Oh, did I do something wrong? Oh, did I do Oh, did I? Well, did you rebel against God and you knew you did? You know, maybe you made mistakes. But I will just tell you this, God's bigger than your mistakes. And you just need to keep sowing to God. Keep sowing to the Spirit. Keep resting. Keep trusting. Keep praying. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Is something pulling you under? Recognize what it is and deal with it. Is something making you want to just throw in the towel? Recognize that and encourage yourself and say, no, 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 I'm not going to throw in the towel. God is going to bless me. God is going to help me. God is going to encourage me. I heard this testimony last night and I thought, man, this is so true. This guy's going, I, I forgot all the negative stuff that happened to him. And he was, um, he was somewhere and he cried out, God, I, I hate myself. I'm tired of life. I don't want to live like this. And I forgot what he said he had in his needle. I don't, even, I don't even know how that stuff all works, but I think it was heroin. Is that, you put heroin in a needle? Yes. So he had it in a needle and he's like, he said he stuck it in him and he said, um, he said, I wanted, he said, I didn't care if I died or not. And he said, and again, I don't understand this. If you've been into drugs before, maybe you can relate with what he was saying. He, so, so actually, before he stuck the needle in, he's saying, God, show me yourself. If you're real, I want to know you. Help me. God, I've been crying out to help me. Please show me. And then he said he, he stuck the needle in himself. And he said when he did that and he gave himself the shot, he said something came over him where he knew you're going to die from this. He knew it could have killed him. Uh, the, and the guy who's interviewing him said, well, how did you know that? He says, it's hard to explain. But the way it hits you, he says, it had happened to me once before when I almost died. And he says, I knew I was about to die. He said, so I shot it and I ran out the door. And that's the last thing I remember. When I woke up, I was in an ambulance. Anyway, to make a long story short, um, from there, from that ambulance, he gets in a situation where... He ends up in this Christian group and he wasn't all into it. And he said, this word just goes, just try, just try, just try. So he goes, okay, I'll listen to what you guys are saying. So he begins to give in to it and he, he listens. To make a long story short, I could tell you more of the story, which is a really, really great story. I mean, the guy begins to preach and in a few days he's preaching He's seen people get saved. 
And he says, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. By the way, you know, that's amazing. Whenever we have so much dignity in life, so much success, people all around us are looking up to us. We don't want to lose that. You know, we'll be sort of careful about Jesus. But when you got nothing to lose, you don't care what people think. And this guy just started talking to everybody about Jesus, praying for people. I mean, he starts he says, people are even coming to the Lord. He doesn't even have to know what he's doing. But let me go back to his salvation, right? So he gets here. He ends up in this process of getting saved. And I was thinking about that. And I'm going, he's thinking God doesn't hear his prayer, right? God, help me. Save me. He almost kills himself after he prays that. He does something dumb after he prays that. And I'm going, man, it's amazing to me. God answered his prayer and he even used the mess he got himself into to answer his prayer and get him to a place where he needed to be to get saved. Y'all see what I'm saying? Then he, then he ended up in this like halfway house right over however long. And he's there growing and growing because it's got all this Christian stuff in it. Anyway, I'm just saying, look how God will take things and use them and get you where you need to be if you don't give up. Amen? Got to use your circumstances. Just don't give up. Got to use whatever crazy thing you might have gotten yourself into. Just cry out to Him and ask Him to help you. God will help you. He's, he loves us all so much. Amen? So I just wanted to encourage you with that. I just think it's a great season. And, and God seems to be highlighting these seasons to the body of Christ again. And, and the things that are in the Old Testament that were, that were like examples and signs and things. Um, I believe he's using those kind of things today to help us and uh, understand a lot of things. You see, uh, it's pretty powerful. Anyway, so what have we been talking about up until now? We've been talking about the Holy Spirit and the power of God. You know, it's interesting. When I was growing up, anytime you talk about the Holy Spirit kind of stuff, that was so awkward to me. Um, I didn't really think about it like, God, it's God. I was thinking of it more like it's a way certain people do things. Oh, oh those that church, uh, that it's the way they do things. We call they call it the Holy Spirit stuff. I wasn't really thinking. Oh, this is God's Spirit and how God works. You, do y'all understand what I'm saying? So to me, when they talked about Holy Spirit stuff, it was like awkward. Again, I wasn't going. This is God. This is how God works. And you can get to know him, and it's a wonderful thing. No, it was just more like a, 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 a way of behaving in church or a way of being, right? <laughs> so I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not all for that. You know, I, in fact, I, I even spoke against that kind of stuff. I can't believe it now. It's embarrassing. And you know, it was really embarrassing to look back and see how much pride I had in my life, how much pride in my opinions, how much pride I had and just, just so, such a, a know-it-all, right, in some, in some dimensions, <laughs> I mean, that's so embarrassing now to, to see how, I, how my attitude was. But anyway, uh, that's how I was. Um, but we've been learning about the Holy Spirit, and I just want to encourage you. It's not about just some way church is or some way people are in their behaviors. It's about God, and it's about learning the spiritual things. Most of us are used to natural things. We're used to what we can think through. We're used to what we can reason. 
And I'm not saying that God's never in natural things either, but in the spiritual things, it's definitely a different way, and it connects with the natural things, but it's beyond the spiritual things, excuse me, the natural things. So we have to learn spiritual things, amen? And we have, because you're not just a natural person. You might have the body and the mind, but there's something beyond that, and everybody knows that. You ever hear somebody use the expression, if I were in your body, something like that, or if I had that body, even in those words, you're acknowledging there's a real you, which isn't your body. Do y'all see what I'm saying? If I had that body, you're acknowledging there's a you and there's a your body. It's two different things. Are you with me? So intuitively, we know there's an inner person. And we know there's a body. And I would say too, there's also a spirit man. And the Bible says there's the Holy Spirit, which as a believer, uh, He has promised that He would send the Holy Spirit to us and that we can have Him in us and upon us. I love to have Him in me. That does certain things. I love to have Him upon me. That does certain things. I like to be in a church service when He comes upon the church service in a special way. Amen? How many of you have ever been in there and you feel the power of God in a church service? I believe there are certain times when the people of God fall down. I th- there's, a great, there's a great little thing in the, in the um, uh, book of Revelation where, where it says, you know, these um, creatures... Worship God. And whenever they worship God, it says the, the 24 elders fall down on their faces before God, right? And, you know, uh, the traditional theologians would think of that as just, it's just what they should do. It's just what, okay, this is the pattern. These creatures worship the Lord and they cry holy to God. And then it's time when the 24 elders are going to go, oh, this is our time. Okay, guys. We're supposed to go down. And I was reading that the other day. I'm going, oh, that's not the way it happens. Those creatures are worshiping God. And when they do, the others are experiencing the power and the praise, the, the presence of God that worship and praise brings. And when that presence is there, boop, boop, they fall to the ground. They are responding to the presence of God that happened in that worship. Do y'all see what I'm saying? It was real. It was so real. That happened even in the Old Testament with King Solomon when he built the temple and they worshiped there. At some level, it happened there. Man, can we not have the presence of God and the Holy Spirit upon us in the church when we are worshiping, when we're flowing with God, when we're praising, when we're doing what we ought to be doing? I remember I had an experience with God one night in the in a church service. Man, I was I was preaching and I just felt so strongly God wants to do something. So I'm like, so I'm just like, okay, and I just sort of stopped. And then I and then the next thought to come to my mind was somebody here has a financial need. Okay, and I, and I knew I needed to say that. And I was uncomfortable with this, and I'm going, okay. And then I felt like God's like, have them stand, you know. So they're going to tell everybody they have a financial need. And I'm like, um, okay, if you have a financial need, 
stand right now. Okay, in other words, let's show everybody you have a financial need. And then the next thing that's coming to me is it was a stretch for me. And back then, people used to carry cash with them. Can you believe that? Some of you young people don't even know what cash is. You know what cash is? One day we probably won't ever even have cash anymore, probably not too long. And that might be a good or a bad thing. But anyway, but I remember, and then the next thing I'm going, I was, I felt such a push in me. Now, tell all the other people, you go and give to these people standing up. <laughs> okay, so, so when that happened, I don't know how to explain this. But when people started giving, getting up and they started giving, giving money to those people that were standing, the presence of God came in that room so, so strongly. And the reason why I think the Holy Spirit's bringing that to my attention today, that's just, we're just flowing with what God wants to do. Do you see what I mean? And that was so out of the ordinary. And, and it, I remember going, Oh God, what do I do with this level of presence? What's the, I, I didn't get any more direction after that, but I'm going, God, I don't want to waste this power. What can we do with it? <laughs> it was just amazing, you know. And of course, I've seen God come in other times like that. Sometimes when we give way to worship. But let me just back up here. You know, that was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable for me to tell people those things in service that day. I'm like, what? What? Uh, God, are you sure you're in this? And as I was doing it, man, God just shows up and he confirms he's in it. It's uncomfortable for the people maybe to stand to say, I've got a need today, right? Maybe it's uncomfortable and you know, maybe some people don't want to give, right? And I'll just tell you sometimes when you have a last little $5 in your pocket, you know what God will tell you to do with that is to go give it. That's an amazing thing. That little bit sometimes you have left, God will say, I want you to go give that. And, and he will bless you and you watch out somebody or something will happen where the, where the money will come back to you. But what's he doing? Teaching you to walk by faith, isn't he? And teaching you to do things uh, that's in alignment with him. And I just believe in this hour, we're going to be, we have to be in a place that's more vulnerable where we're willing to experiment. Don't y'all want to see more of God? We got to experiment some more to get that. Don't you want to have God in your home? You got to experiment a little bit to get that. Maybe you feel God's telling you to do something. I'm just saying if it's not a bad thing, if it seems good, if it seems right, step out and try. It's okay to make a mistake. Y'all know that? It's okay to make a mistake. You see? And, uh, but, but I think it's better to make a mistake trying than to never try and to, and to feel like you're secure because you didn't make a mistake. Are y'all with me? Anyway, I'm not sure how I got off on all of that, but I just want to just say the Holy Spirit power is so important today. We need to have that power in us and upon us, upon us. It's just, you know, we, I feel the Spirit of God bubble up in me, like if I'm praying or whatever, and I am telling you to, we can all have the Spirit come upon us. In the Old Testament, you look at... Um, you look at Samuel, and you see Samuel, he, he had an experience they hadn't had before him. And if you remember, when he's uh, inaugurating the next king, he goes, you go to these people, they're going to be coming down from worshiping. 
And the anointing of God is going to be upon them. And so these men are coming down. These are prophets. There weren't prophets really until Samuel. And these are, this is considered to be the school of the prophets. He was teaching people prophecy. He was teaching people how to hear from the Lord. You know, some people don't think that you ought to learn how to hear from the Lord. You just hear. You know, even in the New Testament, it says the prophets sought the Spirit of God to, to try to understand what the Holy Spirit was saying. You, you, you see, that's in Peter. And so how much could, should we also learn to hear the word and the voice of the Holy Spirit? Amen? Yes. What's the Spirit saying? Oh, you can't hear what the Spirit... Well, you, if you don't seek, you're probably not going to. But anyway, Samuel is teaching these people that. He's teaching these people how to hear from God. They have a prophetic call, we would presume. And so anyway, here they come with their timbrel and other things coming down. They've been worshiping God. And Saul, who was at that time a good man, we believe, uh, he's been called. He goes up where these people are. And guess what? The presence of God is with them. Why is the presence of God with them? Because they've been doing something. They've been learning how to press into that. Been, that's part of the prophet's job back then, to press into that presence, to worship, to, to, do, to do what's pleasing to the Lord, to figure that out, to get the presence of God to come strongly. And then they would begin to prophesy out of that presence. They'd begin to, and that's what's supposed to happen in the New Testament church. Do you not remember the verse we spoke of last week where it says, when the Holy Spirit comes, what are they going to do? They're going to dream dreams. They're going to have vision and they're going to prophesy. He said, it's going to come on all people, not just the prophets. In other words, what I'm telling you about that's for the prophets. Now, God is saying in the New Testament, the wonder of it all is this is going to come upon the church. And there's a verse that's like, you can all prophesy, but do it in order. Do it one at a time, that kind of thing. When you prophesy, right? And what is prophesying? It's not about being a prophet. It's about letting the bubbling up of the Holy Spirit come. Anyway, getting back to this prophetic example, these men are in the... Let me back up. Samuel tells Saul, go, you're going to see these men. He goes to where those men are. They've been worshiping. They've been, the, the anointing of God is still on them. And it says the anointing of God came on that man. He's not even a prophet. He falls down. He falls down under the anointing of the presence of God, even in the Old Testament. And he begins to prophesy. Whoa, that's amazing, isn't it? Oh, that's just the old, no, no, God doesn't do, yes, God does do things like that. Uh, the problem is we've got to press into it like those prophets did after Samuel was teaching him. You guys, this is, this is what you need to do. Keep doing like this. Press in. Experiment a little bit. See where you feel, are experiencing the presence of God. After a while, you'll get to be able to do this all the time. It'll just be like second nature to you. You'll understand how to pull on that presence. And they were doing that. They were worshiping. They, they'd have words. They began to speak. Nobody had been prophesying. Nobody had words from the Lord until Samuel, right? And then God began to speak to Samuel and he trained Samuel. He taught Samuel. But Samuel then brought that to other people and he taught the, he taught the school of the prophets. And that's what we've been saying has happened with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given. Boom, these people experienced it. And then what did they do? They began to give it to this next generation. They trained the next generation in the things of the Holy Spirit. They trained the next generation. They imparted what they had been given to other people, that they would be full of God, full of the Holy Spirit, 
full of the gifts of God, bubbling over in God, understanding how to connect with God, understanding how to hear God, understanding how to flow, understanding how to prophesy, how to receive unction from God, understanding how to press into God and get a word from God and hear what God is saying for the hour. And you see, we all have different gifts, but in some way the Holy Spirit, remember we read this last week, is supposed to manifest in every single one of us. That means it's supposed to show up in a supernatural way beyond what you could do in your natural ability. Amen? God can use your natural ability. I'm not talking about that. We saw this last week. I don't want to get into it too much. But he says, to each one is given a, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you look at the ones that he uses as examples, they're all things you absolutely could not do on your own. You know, you, it was just God. Amen? But you do have to step out and do it. God doesn't force anybody to do anything spiritual. You know, when Pentecost came, he doesn't force anybody to do anything. That would be the most ridiculous thing. He enables us to do it. He doesn't force us to do it, right? He enables. All right. So, finally getting back to the story here. Okay, so we were looking in Acts chapter 8 last week about this man named Philip. And we saw about him. We saw he's doing miracles, right? He's doing miracles. Um, and I'll just mention really quickly some things we learned. He's not an apostle, but he's doing miracles. Miracles, they're not just for the apostles. They're not just for Elijah and Elisha. They're for the New Testament church. Miracles and a lot of other things, right? And God gives out gifts as the Spirit is poured out. He had a good reputation. That's so important today. People in the charismatic church, in fact, all over the church world, People don't think that a good reputation is that important. Oh, the grace of God covers everything. Well, there's truth in that if you repent and turn to God, man, you need to get over what you've messed up in. But to have a lifestyle of God doesn't care about this and God and you live that way? Oh, no, no, no. God's going to deal with that. And God's, gonna, God's getting ready to deal with some stuff. Have y'all noticed it? It's already starting to happen in the church world. It's been happening this last year and more and more fleshiness, whether it's in ministries or in so-called Christian uh, musicians and all of this, all of this stuff is starting to pop up to the surface. And I'm going, you know what? God is doing a work of cleansing right now. And you know why he's doing this? Because of what's getting ready to come. I love that I'm seeing this cleansing coming because it is a sign that the power of God's getting ready to be poured out. If you look in the Word of God, every time there was a cleansing, poop, it was followed by the power of God being poured out. Right? Ananias and Sapphira, you already had some power. Whoop, that, that, cleaned, that got cleaned out, and whoop, the next thing you just see the power again. It happens many times. Anyway, this man had a good reputation. That is so important to contain what God wants us to have. Amen? And I'll just say this too. Sometimes God will only give so much because you couldn't contain the rest of it without being, uh, you know, getting in the wrong attitude. That sounds funny, right? How could what's good turn for bad? You remember one time Paul had a revelation from God. He went, to he went to the third heaven with God and he comes back and he says, God's allowed a thorn in my flesh so I wouldn't be prideful about that. You see what I mean? His spiritual experience could have actually produced spiritual pride in him. Oh, I'm better than others. Look, I had an experience. Amen? Man, I'll tell you, if Paul needed to be humbled, we need to be humbled. How many of you ever recognized you had pride in your life? I hope you all have. I, I remember situations where I've gone, I know I have pride and I can see it 
but I know I can only see like this. I just have a knowledge that the rest, I mean, it was like a deep knowledge that is there, but I couldn't see it, right? And, uh, and so I still know I have some pride. I just don't, we can't, the nature of it is you can't see it the way it really is. Y'all know that? And that's why the only way to deal with pride is not simply by seeing it, it's by humbling yourself. Oh, humbling yourself. That's one of the most painful things to do is to humble yourself, but it's one of the most free. Oh, I hate to humble myself. Y'all like to humble yourself? It's so humbling most of the time to humble yourself. Right? It's humbling to humble yourself. It's painful to humble yourself. The last thing we want to do, we want to find some other way to go around things, some other way to do it. Maybe we don't need to do it. Maybe we excuse it. But deep down we know, no, we, we need ought to do that, right? Anyway, he had a good reputation. He was full of the Holy Ghost. That's different from somebody that's half full of the Holy Ghost. He was bubbling up with the Holy Ghost, and it was obvious. It ought to be obvious for every one of us. We're full of the Holy Ghost. We're full of the Holy Spirit. We're bubbling up with the Holy Spirit all the time. Singing, rejoicing, being full of God, talking about God all the time. Amen? He was a deacon. He served. And y'all remember the verse where we saw that if you serve faithfully as a deacon, God blesses you. You, you, you get like a high status, so to speak, before the Lord, and um, you get confidence in the faith. All right, so we saw all of that. Now, I, wanna, I want you to really pay attention. I want, we got to get into something new here today. All right, so if you look in this verse 9, this is very interesting about Simon the sorcerer, we're, and we're going to talk more about him next week. In fact, let me skip that for time because we'll get into that another week. Um, okay, let's look in verse 12. When these people believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Okay? So, do, can you see here that these people have given their lives to the Lord? Right? Is that true? He wouldn't have baptized them had they not believed. In another place, Philip was asked by this man, um, can I be baptized? And he goes, only if you believe with all your heart. You don't get baptized if you don't believe. You don't get baptized because somebody else believes. You don't get baptized because your mom and dad believe. You get baptized because you believe. Right? Only if you believe with all your heart. Right? So we know these people believe with all their heart. In fact, this is the same guy, Philip, doing the same thing. He baptizes them. That means they believe. Now, Y'all remember what Peter said, that first message that he preached in Pentecost? They said, we want to be saved. What should we do? He said what? Repent, be baptized, and you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, and you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let's apply that right here. What's the next thing that ought to be happening to them? What's the next thing that are promised? I just said it. They're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter preached that. He knew it was part of the package. Saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. Saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. These people are saved. They've been baptized. But look at this. Now when the, the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the Word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who when they came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, 
he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, wait a second. I thought Peter said, if you repent and you be baptized, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, he did say that. And what he's saying is, it will happen. But he doesn't mean you don't have to press in and ask for it. It's part of the package. Are y'all with me? These people are saved. They're baptized in water, but they are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Can y'all see that? And how are they going? How is that going to happen? They have to be led into it. Now I think this is so interesting. Philip is there and preaches. They believe. They repent. They get baptized, and he's going, hmm, I don't know how to get them filled with the Holy Ghost. How'd they do that at Pentecost? We don't know how. It doesn't really say how the other people got filled with the Holy Spirit after the initial one at Pentecost. We don't know. I've wondered about that before. Were they going, Peter preached, and you'll be filled, and, they, and maybe they saw them. Well, they're not filled. What should we do, guys? Mm, I don't know. Let's try praying for them. And maybe they tried praying for them. Maybe they laid hands on them. Oh, wow, that one got it when I was laying hands on them. Well, let's do that then. Yeah, I don't know how they learned. Sometimes you learn through experimentation, right? But here, these people are saved, they're baptized, and they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. I think that's so interesting. And so he backs up and he goes, hmm, that's part of the package. So what do they do? Because it's part of the package, they don't want them to not experience that. Today, we're just so happy if somebody gets saved and baptized. We're like, okay, let's, let's see if we can help them. If, if, now, not, all churches don't even do this, but some churches, the next step would be, let's get them discipled, right? But here, they didn't go, hmm, we're happy. They're going, there's, there's more. There's more. This isn't the whole package yet. We got to get them filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the New Testament promise. And so what does he do? He go, they go and they get Peter and John to come and pray for them that the Holy Spirit would come upon them. I think that's amazing. Okay? Now, how did they know they didn't have the Holy Spirit? Well, it's obvious when He comes on you that you have it. It has to be obvious. Does that make sense? And uh, I don't. it doesn't say how it was obvious there, but in every other place... You know, if, if you look at the verses, you'll see that the most obvious way people knew that someone had the Holy Spirit was they spoke in tongues. That was just the obvious way. Oh, he has the Holy Spirit. Okay, and I'll give you an example. If you look in Acts 10, you can see Peter preaches to Gentiles. And before this time, they did not even understand yet that the Gentiles were a part of this whole thing. That's pretty amazing to me. It was all within the Jewish community. They were just winning Jews, winning Jews, right? Well, here, uh, God sends Peter to the Gentiles. So he's still going, hmm, I don't know about all this, but God told me to go. And so he preaches Jesus to him while he's preaching. L listen to this. While Peter was preaching, to these Gentiles, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. Now, this is how it happened to them, which was different. And thankfully, it happened this way 
because Peter would have had a hard time laying his hands on Gentiles. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? Because he's still going, would God do that? And it says, and those of the circumcision who believed they were there with, with Peter, those of the circumcision, the Jews that were there with Peter, saw it was obvious. This is a funny thing. It was obvious that the Holy Spirit fell on Gentiles, non-Jewish. They could hardly believe it. They've been considered unclean their whole lives. How would God come upon an unclean group of people? Um, those are the Jews who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. How did they know that? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then Peter goes, well, he hears them speaking and they just started speaking in tongues. And he goes, and you know, some people today, oh, they're completely out of honor. Be quiet, please. God did this, right? And he goes, okay, well, God baptized them in the Holy Spirit. And we forbid them from baptizing them in, in water. You see, they were even wondering, should we baptize these people? If they, I mean, should we do that? And then they're speaking in tongues. He goes, whoa, God baptized them with the Holy Spirit. I guess that means it's okay to baptize them in water. But what was the evidence? It says, they saw they were filled with the Holy Spirit for they heard them, they, were, they began speaking in tongues. That was the evidence. For many, many years, all of the church world that spoke in tongues just called that the evidence. It didn't mean that somebody didn't have the Holy Spirit if they weren't speaking in tongues, but it does mean that if someone does speak in tongues, that, that shows. And I would just say, I believe everybody can have a prayer language. And we'll get into this, I guess, next week because we've gone so far or, or soon. But um, if you look into the Word of God, there's, there's, this, there's part of, I was going to explain exactly what tongues is because that's one of the most controversial things. Is it the greatest thing? No, but it's a wonderful thing. It's a good thing. Why would you talk bad about something that God does that's meant for us, right? And it's against our mind. It's so against our mind. And I think that's one of the reasons God did it is because it's something that we would wrestle with and have an attitude with if we're just focused up here, right? And we have to have a reason for everything. So God does it. There's a lot of good things in the Word about it. There's one kind, and I'll say this, there's one kind of tongue that's meant to address a congregation or address a person, and that's supposed to be interpreted. And it would be crazy for somebody to talk to you like that and, and not interpret it, right? That doesn't make sense. Another kind uh, tongues is also as prayer unto God. Prayer unto God, right? And you see this, Paul mentioned this a couple of times. Um, Jude mentions this. Um, I believe Peter mentions that. So what is this talking about? This is communicating with God by your spirit. It makes you strong. It builds you up. And this is in the Word of God. Wish we had time to get into it today, but I'm in a place I probably should just stop because if I get started with this, I won't be able to finish this point that I'm getting to. But I want to encourage you today, just like we have been saying over the last few weeks, let this be a season when you're drawing near to God, where you're consecrating yourself, and where you're beginning to ask, your, ask God, Lord, fill me with more of the Spirit. God, I don't understand these things. I don't need to understand everything. I just know I want more of the Holy Spirit. I want the Spirit of God in my life. I want the Spirit of God in my home. I want the presence of God in my home. I want the presence of God in my church. You know what? We can get a lot done by programs sometimes. 
We can get a lot done by organization sometimes. But I'm just saying, if that's all that we're doing, that's, there's nothing to that. Sometimes God's like, He strips everything. And He's like, I just want you to believe in the raw power of God. And then guess what? I'll put a form around it. Amen? And I believe right now is God's like, I just want you to trust Him. There's going to be the raw power of God and watch what I'll do. Amen? So, Father, I want to thank you for this week. Thank you, Lord God, for the examples we have in the Old Testament, in the, um, the patterns and the feasts and the, the, the commemorative things that were there. Father, we just pray right now you would just empower us. Give us what we need to go forward. Give us what we need to do your will. Give us what we need to overcome. Lord, we ask you, God, for more of your Holy Spirit. We pray, teach us, God, to trust you in the middle of our trials, to not worry, to not be in anxiety, to not be in frustration, to not, to not uh, be antsy about things. Lord, do not think we have to figure out every single problem and always have the right answer and always do the right thing and always be perfect or we're not going to get our blessing. Father, we just pray you help us. Lord, our heart is to do right. Lead us in the right way. But Father, beyond all of that, we just say right where we are today, before we know what to do, before we know the right steps, before we take the next steps, God, we just pray right here where we are today. Teach us what we should do. Teach us how we should go forward. But Lord, bless us. Take care of us. We rest in you today in the middle of our trials. We rest in you today in the middle of negative circumstances. And we trust in you, Lord God. And we receive that peace that surpasses all understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.